Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your co-hosts are Clint Walkner and Nate Condon, the co-owners and financial advisors at Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This is a podcast series dedicated to illuminate some of the darkness around fees, conflicts of interest, and the motivation behind recommendations in the financial planning industry. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Thanks for joining us today. Today we're going to talk a bit about tax reform. Uh, there's been Exciting. A, uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's exactly what all of our listeners want to hear is, let's talk about taxes, right? Super exciting. <laughs> but there's some framework uh, that's going to be released um, later on this week, hopefully as far as a bill. Uh, there's been some existing framework that the GOP has released in their tax form in a PDF. And so Nate and I are going to talk through a bit about that as well as the 401k uh, proposal that's been backtracked on by President Trump. So we'll see kind of uh, where that all stands, but we'll address all of those in today's podcast. Kevin, when's the last time you've thought about uh, tax reform? Um, daily basis, honestly. Yeah, daily basis. Just, think about tax it's reform. It's always on my mind. Yeah, probably yeah. like most Americans. Uh, yeah, we we uh, we have to have a little fun with this topic because obviously it's it's the um, probably one of the least uh, enjoyable things that people can think about is taxes, but it's important and it, it affects our lives and it affects uh, obviously our paychecks and the the reforms that are being proposed. And we obviously cannot emphasize that enough. These are proposals. We don't know yet. We don't really know any of the details. But uh, we wanted to talk about the proposals. And just try as, as best we can to um, break these down into layman's terms as to what it actually means uh, for our listeners uh, when it comes to the 401k changes, uh, the tax bracket changes, possibly the uh, child tax credit changes. Uh, so we're not going to cover everything that's been discussed, but uh, we're going to try to go through a few of the points that uh, are going to hit home for um, most people that listen to the podcast. Yeah, if you're going through this tax reform framework, there's a zero tax bracket for um, some people because they are, they're doubling the standard deduction up to 24000 There's um, a flattening of the individual tax rates. There's an enhanced child tax credit. They're repealing the alternative minimum tax. Um, they're going to uh, do a whole bunch of things from the business perspective. They're going to change uh, tax rates for small businesses and lower those. They're going to allow immediate expensing of capital investments. Um, they're going to uh, do all kinds of things with uh, territorial taxations. And so all of this means that everyone's going to get a tax break and it's not going to cost any money, right? So yeah, that's, the, that's exactly what the big issue here is there's a lot on this tax reform package, and they also need to find a way to offset some of this and to pay for it. So I think that's where you've started to hear about how the GOP is potentially going to have to get creative to sort of balance it. And they don't necessarily have to balance everything. It's likely to add to the deficit, at least in the short term. 
um, you know, if you're more on the right, you're going to say, well, our growth is going to explode. So therefore, we're going to be able to bring in all this revenue to uh, make up for all of these different tax breaks that we're giving people. But immediately, it's almost a certainty that uh, it will add to the deficit and uh, perhaps significantly. So there's got to be some ways that uh, there's some balance here. And if we're on the left, they're saying, well, we're extremely skeptical of all of this and you want to get rid of all these different provisions, flatten out the brackets. Um, one thing I didn't even mention, they're going to get rid of the estate tax or you know, if I was more unscrupulous, I would call it the death tax. Repeal the death tax because that's un-American, right? And uh, how are they going to go about trying to balance out everything here? So uh, I think that's the big issue for the, the GOP is how they bring in some form of balance and they also turn this into a, a middle-class uh, tax reform, and uh, that's going to be the big issue. Yeah, so let's start with, um, I guess, more of a basic uh, just understanding of how taxes work. So let's look at the tax rates for, for just a second. So the proposing, uh, and again, this is we, we, this could expand, this could contract, we don't really know yet. But as of right now, they're talking about tax brackets of 12%, 25%, 35%. So um, let's just take a step back from that for just a second. Um, everybody on January 1st in the United States is in the same tax bracket. And that's, I think, something that a lot of people are not aware of. Millionaires, billionaires, um, you know, people that, that um, make little income. I mean, we're all in the same tax bracket as of January 1st because the taxes in the United States fill up like a graduated cylinder. So we all pay the same amount of tax on the first X amount of income. And then once we go over a tax bracket, so in what they're proposing, you know, from 12 to 25 percent, you're only paying 25 percent on the amount of income that goes over the 12 percent tax bracket. So I think a lot of people confuse um, the, the tax brackets in the United States and how it works. If somebody's in the 28% tax bracket, I think a lot of people think that they pay 28% tax on all of their income to the federal government. That's not right. They pay a smaller percentage on tax on the first chunk of income, and then it graduates up, and then it graduates up, and they're paying 28% tax on the amount of income that they make over the 25% tax bracket. Kevin, did that make any sense at all, what I just said? Yes. Okay. <laughs> just a beaming with confidence there. Well, Warren Buffett um, pays like taxes in the fifteen uh, percent tax bracket for about like thirty seconds. You know. Right. Exactly. When, when it gets to about twelve oh five a.m. January first, he's gone into the next tax bracket. But it is important to understand that that is the case. And and if we had to, and this is not uh, us um, saying what we want to happen, but if Clinton and I had a vote on something, we would obviously like to see cleaner, more concise tax brackets, because right now there's just too many and it's just too convoluted and it doesn't make sense. So in that way, that does make some sense. But obviously the devil's in the details. How do we pay for going from, what is it, seven brackets now down to three? Uh, that's where some of these other facets of, uh, of, of the tax law changes are coming from, changing 401ks, changing uh, child tax credits, changing some of these things. That's some of where that's derived from. That's exactly right. So in order to kind of shore up the uh, revenue side of it, um, you know, it doesn't appear that they're going to be increasing tax rates. And in fact, they're, they're going the other way. So um, this is definitely almost certainly not going to balance. So how do we pay for this? How, you know, one of the things that has been floated is uh, allowing companies to bring back money overseas um, in a repatriation sort of way, which means that um, there's a bunch of money overseas in these uh, in these corporations, and that money 
needs to be brought to the U.S., or that's the thinking, that money needs to be brought to the U.S. so that these companies can invest it in the U.S. Um, and so what will happen is, like, Apple has all kinds of money overseas, and they could bring that money back. But if they do bring that money back, they're going to face a significant tax bill when they do. A lot of their money's in Ireland, for whatever reason. That's too. right. I don't know why Very tax-friendly. Yeah, I mean, and these guys the are, well, they're they're just, extremely just, smart. So they know yeah. how to avoid or minimize taxes, so... Um, they all set up these in very tax-friendly uh, places. And well, there so, was a story about GE, too, paying, what was it, almost nothing in, in U.S. tax the, a few years ago. That's right. So. Yeah, that's, that happens a lot. So, you know, in the U.S., a lot of times they don't pay a lot because uh, a lot of these companies also have changed their tax domicile from the U.S. to these other uh, foreign entities. Um, and that's because we don't have as tax-friendly a situation as some of these other countries. Now, um, I don't know if bringing this money back means that all that money is going to pour into the U.S. and then all of it's going to be redeployed into the U.S. I mean, that's that's the kind of populist uh, thinking. I think that's unlikely, but um, there is a significant amount of money sitting overseas. And so to bring that back, they're going to bring it back at a lower tax rate and hope that it all comes back in an either a tax holiday or a more permanent um, lower tax rate. Yeah, I think Clint brings up a great point, and that's that's kind of the – the elephant in the room here, which is the corporate tax uh, rate reduction that they're looking at. I mean, that that's really the the crooks of this tax bill is reducing the corporate tax rate, which right now is at thirty five percent, down to twenty percent. So essentially, the the thinking is, if we reduce taxes on corporations and make corporations uh, have a friendlier tax picture in the United States, that will lead to one higher GDP through higher production. And it will lead to more jobs because through the higher production uh, of goods and services, companies can then hire more people and expand, and that's where the growth comes from. Uh, Senator Portman was on the the Sunday morning talk shows just yesterday um, talking about um, this very thing. And and the argument from that side is if we increase GDP – uh, from where the tax bill was kind of scored at, which they used a 1.9% GDP rate, uh, up just 0.4% up to 2.3, then everything becomes much rosier as far as the picture is concerned. That's essentially the crux of where this all comes from. Will production and GDP grow if we reduce corporate tax rates? That's right. And, and you know, if you actually look at the data, corporate tax rates are almost never paid at that high rate. So, you know, looking at it from a more skeptical standpoint, uh, a lot of these corporations are not actually paying an effective tax rate of the 35% that they're, they're saying that they pay. So, um, you know, will it have a big impact? I mean, I think psychologically, I think it does uh, help if they reduce the rate. Uh, but, you know, you reduce the rate and then you reduce the revenue as well. So, you know, how are they going to figure out and thread that needle? I think that that needle cannot be threaded. Um, for what they're talking about as far as the framework goes, th- this will not balance. This will add to the deficit. It's just a matter of how much it will add to the deficit. And will growth pick up then? And is, if growth does pick up, you know, will that revenue coming in be able to keep up with the expense side of the ledger? So I think that's you know to be determined. And it's to be determined whether or not a tax bill will even pass because you have the Freedom Caucus, um, which is very you know kind of a birthed out of the, the Tea Party movement. And, uh, you know, they are very uh, deficit conscious. So, you know, can you get enough votes in, particularly in the House, 
Um, and obviously the, the Senate, they have a small uh, majority as well for the GOP. So you know, it, it remains to be seen whether or not anything is going to get passed. Um, and their goal is to do it before the end of the year. Uh, but we've seen this kind of go through a couple times, and it hasn't happened. So we'll see. Yeah, and that's where the, the, the 401k uh, changes are coming from. So that, that's kind of what, what, what we're getting to here is they have to figure out a way to pay for it. How do they figure out a way to pay for it? One, one way is to reduce 401k limits. So then the question becomes for, for people that, that don't do what we do on a daily basis, I don't understand how does that have an effect on, on uh, federal revenues. Well, if you reduce the 401k contribution limit um, down to, from where it is now, 18500 down to $2,400, which is what's being proposed in some circles, then what you end up with is uh, a reduction of the amount of income that we can shield, which is essentially what happens when we put money into our 401ks. So when we put money into our 401k accounts, that money comes off of our taxable income for the year, and we don't pay tax on that money in that year. So to make the math simple here, if somebody had $50,000 of taxable income, and they put $10,000 into the 401k, they're essentially claiming on their income taxes that their income is 40000 for the year, not 50000 for the year. So therefore, the government essentially missed out, if you will, on collecting tax on $10,000 of their income. Now, the government will get that money back. That money will be taxed, but it'll be taxed at a much later date when that individual is in retirement and they start taking money out of their 401ks. So by reducing the limit down drastically from where it is now, down to, and again, this, these are all proposed numbers. We don't know. But down to what they're proposing, uh, we're talking about having a, a significant amount of additional income being taxed in the year that it's earned as, a per, as opposed to being deferred to later years. And there's a nice uh, uh, word that they've coined to this, that they're going to start Rothification of people's assets. So basically, that's a nice way of saying, uh, we're going to tax you a little bit more right now because we need the revenue right now to pay for this thing. Um, and then we'll worry about the taxes later. Uh, so, I mean, in a way, for people that earn, um, you know, on the lower side of the tax bracket, it's actually going in a Roth strategy is a strategy that Nate and I recommend a fair amount of the time. So, you know, that might not have that much of an impact for them. But for people that are higher income earners, this could have a huge impact on their taxes if they don't, uh, you know, if they earn $250,000, $300,000 a year at household income. And now they can't save that, you know, eighteen thousand plus into that four hundred one k plan. That's a that's a problem for their taxes. Yeah, and and um, you know, one thing Clinton and I are going to start trying to do is coin our own words. So be aware of that. You know, Rothification. That's pretty cool. We might have to come up with something that we that we uh, that you and I coin. Um, you know, maybe maybe a new title for Kevin. That's uh, that's a hybrid of words that we'll put together. The idea is that we're trying to drive money to the Roth side. So essentially what they're going to say is we're not reducing the limit. We're reducing how much money we can put on the tax-deferred side. So what they might do is leave the 401k limit as it is, but require that only 2400 be deductible, and the remaining amount could get pushed into the Roth 401k side of your plan. Most Americans are not aware that m most of their uh, respective 401k plans have a Roth side that we can contribute money. Very simply there, we put money in, we don't get an upfront tax break, but it does wonders for us down the road when we get into retirement. So that that is uh, what's being proposed right now based on the, uh, the what we've heard from the, um, 
the powers that be in writing the, the tax legislation. And so is that a good idea for a middle-class person that's saving for, you know, retirement? Uh, probably not. So, you know, it's, it remains to be seen, but it's, it's pretty hard to make a legitimate argument that um, having this Rothification is going to benefit everybody. When you look at the woeful saving numbers for people, particularly for retirement, um, you know, this is one thing where now we've, we've moved from a defined benefit world where everyone had pensions or many people had pensions. And now we've moved into this world where it's more of a defined contribution, uh, situation, which means that people have 401ks. You have to contribute to your own 401k plan. It's not just a, a thing that gets taken out of your paychecks uh, with or without your consent, uh, as we had in those pensions. Now we have it where you have to make the active choice to save, and this is another situation where um, it might not be the best thing for them. So, you know, from a perspective of uh, looking at it from retirement savings, I don't know if this is the best thing uh, for for the, to be proposed. So you know, you've seen Trump go back and forth on this, whether or not uh, he's going to embrace this change or not. So it, it remains to be seen. We'll see where the the taxation goes. But um, one of the other pieces that they've said is that they're going to stop having people be able to write off their state and local taxes. Um, and so that's going to be a big uh, lightning rod, particularly for those uh, senators and House members that would be directly impacted with that. That was a more interesting one as well, because not everybody in the United States pays the same level of state and local tax. So, you know, the state tax in Wisconsin, the state tax rate, I should say, in Wisconsin is vastly different than what it is in Illinois or New York or California. And so this beca- this could become a, a very, this is weird to say because it's already a political issue, but this could be a, a become a very, very political issue if we get into that territory because then everybody's going to be trying to protect the states um, of which they were elected and in some states, it's going to have a huge impact. In other states, it won't have that big of an impact, especially states that have no state income tax. Well, and it kind of is interesting about this because uh, more of the higher taxed uh, states happen to be blue states versus red states. So you can kind of see where where this idea kind of got birthed out of. Uh, and you know, it will generate a significant amount of revenue, uh, and we'll see where it all goes. It's kind of a it's kind of a sticking it to those states that have high state tax rates because it's nice to uh, be able to write those off, I'm sure. Um, so Wisconsin's kind of a middle-of-the-road type of state as far as taxation. So, you know, um, I, I don't know whether I would be in favor of that or not. I guess I'd have to see the rest of the, the uh, legislation before I could weigh in on any of that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, again, it's it's taking something that, that we most Americans do not want to think about on a daily basis, which is tax. And we're putting it, you know, right in the spotlight because that's the, uh, uh, the flavor of the day in Washington right now. Um, some of these changes, I I don't, I can't say that we're in favor of, you know, Clinton and I are not in favor of the idea of making 401ks less attractive, uh, to people. Uh, As we said, there's already a gap in what people, uh, frankly should be saving toward retirement. And, um, this, this appears to be, whether it's going to get spun one way or the other, it appears to be almost a disincentive to put more money into 401ks. Uh, that's unfortunately just not an idea that we can get behind. Yeah, I'd like to see a significant expansion of the 401ks, not, not a situation where, uh, you know, you have them, you know, limiting the amount that you can put in there and you can Rothify it as much as you want, but uh, that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately, it's, it's the... Uh, it's the, the line item that, that, that they decided to, to take a look at. And, and one of the reasons why is because it saves a lot of money for the federal government if they do that. 
uh, or I shouldn't say save them, but it, it generates an, a, a tremendous amount of revenue for the federal government if they make this change, but uh, at the expense of, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that, that could be, become a crisis in our country, which is just not enough money saved towards retirement. So, you know, Nate and I will uh, continue to look at the tax reform proposals as they come out. We'll do another podcast on this when we have a little bit more firm uh, information. We'll talk about the prospects for this legislation passing, what it may mean uh, for our clients individually, um, and, you know, just the impact on it overall and the likelihood of, of passing. So, um, you know, obviously uh, I would say that if we are betting people, and we might be betting people in this room. Yeah, I suppose. A right? little bit. You know, Depends we might wager from time to time. We might wager on a, a few things. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll weigh, weigh in on whether or not we think this is likely or unlikely to get uh, passed and what provisions on the tax reform bill are most likely to, to be good So, um, and which, which ones are most likely to, to stay in the final bill. So thanks for joining us on Give Me Some Truth, and we will be at you at a, further, at a later date. Advisory services are offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Wachner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Wachner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Wachner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Wachner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see wachnercondon.com for additional disclosures.